Welcome to the Behind the You podcast. I think we're coming up on our anniversary. We put a full year in the bag or in the can or uh, out in the uh, audio universe. And I think we're going to celebrate by bringing on an absolute legend to the podcast. We've had some big names. We're going to dabble in some UM history. And we are going to talk today to Mr. Chuck Foreman. Chuck, thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be all over the board here, Chuck, but I want to start here. You've done a lot of interviews. I don't expect you to remember this particular one, but you were asked, I think you were doing an interview with a Bleacher Report, and you were asked, who was the best player to come out of the U? And of course you said, well, there's a lot of talented guys. Your answer was Andre Johnson and Michael Irvin, but you said, you know what? I got to start with me. I led the pack. I was the first. You know, I don't think people understand because most of the people that, or any of the articles that you read now, they don't talk about us. They talk about the guys that came after us, but what they don't realize is that, number one, Ray Bellamy was the first black athlete at the University of Miami. Had Ray not been hurt in a car accident, he probably would have been the first guy off the board. Tom Sullivan came after him, and Tom went on, all graduated, went on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Burgess Owens and I, of course, the number one draft choices. For me, coming out of the U, every all-star game I played in, you know, we had all these guys that we that you read about that were national champions through Greg Cruz and Johnny Rogers in my time and all those guys. And, you know, we got to the all-star games and I think I was MVP in every one of them. So, you know, when we got there, you know, I was like, okay, I can play with these guys. I know that. You know, it was just about the commitment and dedication to keep to stay focused. And, you know, I realized then that, you know, there were some good things that could happen. But the first four black athletes there not only were there, but I think we all made the dean's list. We all were committed to representing the U and everything that we represented at that time because they were just integrating uh, the school. I had a great, great experience at the University of Miami. I know that. You know, for me and Ray, Tom, Burgess, if there was an issue, which weren't many, we could go directly to Henry King Stanford and sit in his office. And we had a great relationship with the president of the school, who for me was one of the finest people I've ever met in my life. He was a special man. These podcasts, I, I probably say it at least once per podcast with each guest. You know, I sort of have an idea of the things I want to talk about, but usually I kind of go where my guests lead me. So I wanna, I'm going to pick up from that last statement about the school and the time you were there because we had Ray Bellamy on this podcast. And I've actually had the pleasure of speaking to him once before. We had a couple of other athletes as well, black athletes on here from the time about when you were there. You know, Ray spoke about some of the things he encountered when he was there because it was a much different time than today. It's almost hard to fathom, right? And he mentioned that, the unfortunately, the N-word was used with him. I don't know if it was used with you, that he had teammates that I think even tried to hurt him. It was a very unusual time, and he was such a strong leader. In the, and he talked about the president's influence on integrating the school. And I was just wondering if you could elaborate on your experiences just because, I, you know, I'm speaking to Ray. I, I know about them pretty well through him. Well, Ray was a strong personality for sure. He was the right guy at the right time to integrate the University of Miami. He showed us the way. And Ray uh, encountered some things. The only thing I've ever remember encountering, encountering was, I forgot who this guy was, but he told me, he says, well, you know, welcome to the University of Miami, but if you're like that guy over there, we might have a problem pointing at Ray. And I was like, you know, it kind of blew me away for a minute. But as it turns out, you know, he wasn't around long. The guy who was talking to me wasn't around long. But 
I had a great experience at the University of Miami. There were things that happened in everyday life, I guess. But, you know, we knew at the time that all eyes were on us, especially come, me coming from Maryland, coming to the South. My parents did not want me coming down South. And the trip down, down there was kind of an experience also. My parents and I driving from Maryland to coming down through all the different states and stuff like that. And I had an experience uh, when I was driving and uh, police pulled me over. I think it was just in Georgia. And my parents were talking to me before on the way down to Chuck. You know you speak your mind. Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that I, that I, they've given me the whole rundown on how I need to be. And they were concerned about that because I did speak my mind. And when this policeman, this state trooper pulled me over and he called me boy. And then I went through this whole thing that I used to say, if anybody called me boy, that was not black, you know, it, it was just kind of like a little poem or a little something. And this guy, when I said it to him, he says, you know what, boy, you're acting a little cakey. You might need to go into my little town and wrestle for a night. I'm like, oh, man, my father got out of the car. And, and my father was a member of the Masons or something like that. And he, I don't know what he talked to him about, but there was some hand signals or whatever the heck it was. And my father took me out of the driver's seat, told me to sit in the back, keep my mouth shut until we got to Miami. But it was, uh, uh, that was on the way down. It was a more to it than that. I can't really probably tell you on here, but made it there. And, um, you know, I, it was funny how I, I got there in the first place. I'm from Frederick, Maryland. We in Bel Air High School in Maryland was was the top school, one of the top schools in Maryland. And we were playing Bel Air High School, and they had several different guys, big time colleges, were recruiting, and we played them and, and we beat them. And I was going against one of these guys. I played defensive tackle and tight end in high school. I read that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and so we went up against these guys. This guy at University of Miami was recruiting him. He was an offensive lineman. I don't know, but by the time the game was over, the guy that was there watching the game, I think it was C.T. Hughley, not think, I know. And after the game, he, says, he said, hey, I'm from the University of Miami, and we're interested in maybe having you come down. Like I had no thoughts of going south anywhere. It was Syracuse, Maryland, Penn State, something like that, maybe. But I got down to the U, and it was just like uh, – it just happened. I wasn't thinking of ever coming down there and got down there on my recruiting visit and Sully is taking me around and Tom Sullivan and, you know, met all the guys there. They were all really cool and palm trees, sunshine. And I just said, well, I'm going to go for it. Cause I looked at the, I read everything about the university of Miami, the players, the coaches and all that before I, you know, got there. And, and they had some pretty darn good football players there. You know, Ted Hendricks, of course. Uh, before I got there, it was a football game between USC and Miami. Of course, Miami lost, but it was supposed to be this big battle between Ted Hendricks and O.J. Simpson. And I watched that bowl game and, you know, those things. And Ted was a really, really nice guy, everybody that I met. So I got home and told my parents, I, was, I, I think I want to go to Miami. My father said, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, he was like, you know, and in the end, my mother told my father, hey, look, he got to go where he got to go. And we got to, you know, make sure he gets there. And I'm going to tell you, before I, came, before I even left to go to college, my mother and father 
where they schooled me about everything I needed to do to be successful, not only on the football field, but on in the classroom. There was no coming home saying that, hey, I don't like it. You know, that was just the way it was in my time, in my family. You're going to go and you're going to graduate. So let me ask you this. Everyone knows you as a, an offensive weapon, right? A pass catching, running back. We'll go through some of that as well. So you played defensive tackle in high school. Yeah, but gee, I remember I was a state champion in the hurdles for two years in a row. But in my high school, we had so many great athletes. You know, the coach told you to, where, he, where he told you to play. That's where you play. And we had a lot of guys. That's where I fit in. But, you know, I was a tight end, and that was where I was pretty much known. You know, I scored a lot of touchdowns. Now, I heard, or I read, I should say, I didn't hear, that you were a pretty good basketball player, too. Exactly. I could have gone pretty much anywhere to play basketball also. Now, when you say anywhere, are you talking about anywhere? Yeah, I could have done it. Believe me, I grew up in a place uh, where there were so many great athletes you ain't never heard of. You know, I think everybody has stories like that. We had the park that I used to go to was Malnix Park in my hometown. And some of the best basketball players I ever seen that you never heard of were there. But we have guys that come in from New York and park, they have park tournaments. And, you know, I was just in ninth grade at the time. And we had these guys in, in that were just out of sight. We had a guy by the name of Harrison Middleton and a guy by the name of David Allen. And they didn't go anywhere. But we had tormous people coming from different towns, from D.C., Baltimore, you know, and they could ball. On, and the basketball court, and we had tournaments up there in ninth grade. I was, you know, we had scouts up in the park and stuff like that. In ninth grade, I was, they threw me around, but, you know, I was handling myself there and I developed, a, you know, those guys were just, just great to, to look up to in my hometown. And they, they didn't make it easy. So why'd you pick football? Well, I thought the upside for me on football was better. I liked basketball more. But football was, it was more physical, I guess. And I thought I could handle that. Basketball, you know, I was 6'3", 6'2 and a half, 6'3". And I played forward. And I knew that uh, in high school. But, you know, I just thought that basketball, five guys on the team, I figured I could play, if I go play football, I was a football player, you know. So they put me in linebacker, tight end, wide receiver, running back, more options. Now, apparently, when you got to UM, you start. Where did you start? Because I read you moved all over the place. You started on defense, moved to offense. Well, of course, back you got to remember back then. You know, there was a freshman football team, so you had to play freshman football. You didn't go right to play varsity. So when I got there, we of course we had the forty times and all that stuff, and I did pretty good there against everybody. So then they came to me, Coach Bester Newcomb, who was our freshman coach, came to me and says, "You know." Um, we don't need you at defensive tackle or, or tight end. Hey, why don't you try to play running back? I'm like, running back. And that's how it started. And um, every time, you know, that started as a freshman, and that's what my position was as a freshman, and played a little wide receiver, then went to my sophomore year, started off as running back, and I played cornerback, and I played wide receiver. And then I really never got to settle in on anything because they were moving me. I guess from game to game, game, depending on who we were playing. And I was kind of getting irritated. And I called home and said, they keep moving me, you know. And my father said to me, whenever I'd say that, oh, they did, didn't they? I said, yeah, you know, go be the best. Don't call me anymore with where they play. You're a football player. Go play football. And that was what I did. So in the end, playing all those different positions at the U, 
I never got an opportunity to stack stats and all that kind of stuff. But what I did get is development in every phase of the football game on defense, offense, wide receiver, running back. And, you know, when Charlie Tate left, Frank Kersey came in and, you know, I, I got to play against some of the best teams in the country. And even though I was moving around, I had this guy named Jimmy Dye, who was a really great defensive back at the U. And he was my coach at defense on my play corner. And it was kind of a crash course because I was moving around so much. And then I had Larry Beckish as my wide receiver coach when they put me to wide receiver. And that was another crash course. And then uh, Whitey Campbell was my running back coach. And he has uh, a history at the U as a, as a great player. And all those gentlemen, you know, were my finest coaches. They include my high school coaches. That's how they developed me, man. And I went on to, you know, have the attitude and no matter where I, what position I played, I knew I could compete with anybody. So that's what the U gave me. And um, certainly I'm not in the record books of, of, of any circle. I never played any position long enough to break records. But I can guarantee you one thing. I might be one of the few that came to the U that could play any of those positions and play it well. Let's go back to the first question. The first question I sort of asked you about it, a little bit in jest is when you sort of were asked in a previous interview about the best and so said, hey, look, I led the pack. But you did mention, uh, you said probably the most talented would have been Andre Johnson. And you mentioned Michael Irvin as well. So I was just curious, why Andre Johnson? Well, I think Andre Johnson was a great athlete. Now, Michael Irvin, as a receiver, was exceptional. Andre Johnson, I think, could have played in any position. You know, he got to play defense. He was one of the finest athletes. Now, I don't know him, but I keep up with everybody that ever came through to you. Everybody, you know, and I still do. You're a little bit of a historian. Yeah, I mean, that's my school, you know, man. Yeah. That's it right there. I got you. And so I, every Saturday morning, you know, when they had the great teams and when they, you know, went the other direction for a minute and now they're trying to come back. And hey, every Saturday I'm watching all those guys and, you know, I went to one or two games last year, not last year, but a couple of years ago. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big U fan and, you know, and I'm going to always be that way. So yeah, but Andre and Michael Irvin, as far as receivers go, probably two of the best to ever come out of it. So what about running backs? So are, are the running backs that you've watched over, you were the first, we're going to, we got to make that very clear, but there were the running backs over the years that you really had an appeal for that have come through there. And there's been a ton, but there's there any one. Well, they've had a lot of them, you know, that came through or they got to play. You see in today's game. And uh, after I came guys are more, when they recruited, they were more recruited for a position position. They didn't move them to different positions. Like they did me. They came in as a running back and that's the thing. And that, that's the position they played. So, you know, they had some different, you know, style. You know, look at Alonzo Highsmith. You look at, of course, Melvin Bratton. And boy, if he didn't hurt his knee in that last uh, that last game they played, he, he probably would have been the best to come through to you. And he still was an exceptional, exceptional player. I think some of the guys that get the most recognition that have come through there, deservingly so. Frank Gore, I've seen him play and 
you know, he, he had a different path too, I suppose. But he's had a, what, a 13-year NFL career? Oh, yeah, he's just hung him up. You know, he didn't come out with a lot of uh, credentials, I don't think, or that might be the wrong word. But, you know, he had a tough road coming up. When I say coming up, coming through the system. But he had that staying power, and <laughs> the guy's still playing. And then you got, of course, Edron James. Albert Bentley. I mean, I'm just throwing names out. And I'm sure, you know, we've had some, who else was there? We had a uh, Najee Davenport. You can go on and on. And I'm, if I'm missing some, I'm, I, I apologize. I'm not, but there are um, lots of them that have come through the U. And some of them were pros. And I was talking to one of my OJ Anderson. You know who I helped recruit, you know. Did you? And, yeah. You know, he came in there. I met him. and. I knew right away because he said, well, I'm going to break all your records. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, OJ was, uh, you know, a big guy like me. And he could run that football. And then we, you know, all the other, there's a lot of guys that came, some of the current ones that are playing. So, yeah, they've had a, a good group of, of running backs that have come through to you. Well, you mentioned, like, that you didn't really have a position. You were a football player. It's funny. I think you'd be a perfect fit in today's NFL. Oh, there's no. Actually... I would have been because when I got to the Minnesota Vikings, the runner as receiver is what my description was. And on Pro Magazine, that's the NFL magazine on the cover. That's how they labeled me, the runner as receiver. So all these guys you're seeing now, they're getting a lot of uh, PR. In fact, being a runner receiver probably hurt me. Uh, because when they look at my stats, and most people don't know, I was a multi-purpose back in my time. I can't speak to the time before. I can't speak to the time after. I'm only speaking my time in the NFL. And the things that we did here in Minnesota, what the Vikings did when they came to me, first of all, they came to me and they asked me, what position do you want to play? And now I don't think many guys have that option. When they get drafted, they get drafted as in a position. With me, they asked me, what position do you want to play? I chose running back. <laughs> and when I told everybody what I was going to do, they thought I was crazy. Why don't you play wide receiver? Why do you want to take all that pounding? I like having a ball in my hand and like be a difference maker. And that's what I did. So Minnesota, they changed the offense. And by the way, I played fullback in the NFL. I was not what we call a two-back or running back, as they call them today. I came out of a, a system that was different. And um, that's what I played. I had a block. I had catch. I ran. Everything that a fullback does, but on a different level or a different style, let's say, a little bit of more of a flash, I guess. Speaking of flash and style, I guess anyone that knows you, right, you have this nickname, the Spin Doctor. So how did that originate? Well, it originated from the basketball court. When I was growing up, Earl Pearl Monroe was the big name. Came out of uh, a black college in um, North Carolina and Man, he came with, he's with the, what they called the Baltimore Bullets at the time. And when he came up to court, you know, he did get away from guys by spinning. And that's, and I used that when I played basketball. And when I got to the NFL, they were bigger, stronger, faster. One game we were playing the Houston Oilers and this guy was coming at me and I saw some space over there. And I was saying, well, how am I going to get there? And then I said, well, I'm a juke. I juked him and spun away from him and. I got like 15 extra yards, and I'm like, oh, that works. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing was that you better make sure when you did that, 
you better do it the right time. And I developed it and I kind of, you know, that was one of my signature things that I did. You know, it's like when I get to like the Pro Bowls or whatever Super Bowls, and guys would say when I'd see them, and they'd say, man, I just wanted to catch you right in the middle of that thing, you know? <laughs> and I did one time get caught in it. One of my best friends, Wally Chambers from Chicago Bears, you know, we worked out together in the summer. He'd come to Miami and, and we were playing them up here. And I had this you know, linebacker at me and I said, okay, he's going. So I did my little thing. I got away from him and I thought I was going. And when that spin, when I came around, I felt this real hard hit. He slammed me to the ground. I'm like, wow, it hurt a little bit. And I looked up. And it was this big 6'6", 290-pound guy looking at me, <laughs> saying, yeah, I caught you, didn't I? And, that was, and I looked up and it was Wally Chambers. So was there, was there any spin doctoring going on at UM? Well, maybe once or twice, but it wasn't anything I did because uh, I was there actually, you know, maybe once or twice. I know I did it in practice one day when I was a freshman, and, and I was just finding my way and uh, practice once, you know, or so. And uh, Charlie Tate was there and had his cigar and everything. And I got away from the guy, got in the end zone. And I think that's when they were going to make me a running back. They knew I had some escapability. You mentioned earlier when we started this, a lot of people think of University of Miami football, kind of like when Howard took over moving forward with the championships. But there's, as you mentioned, and anyone who's been around the program knows there was University of Miami football prior to that. You were a part of, you mentioned some of the other players who were a part of. How important is it that people understand and recognize there's a greater history to University of Miami football, which you were a part of? No, no doubt about it. They should know that. And I don't know if the players even know that the current players know that the University of Miami prior to them was a really good program in the South. You know, I mean, when I got there, there, there was kind of a little slowdown as far as the wins go, but they've had some great players that come through there. Yeah, and I mentioned, you know, Ted Hendricks, a guy by the name of Tony Klein. I can go on. There's a lot of them there, but the program was a really good program before all that. Certainly they had their their issues when I got there. We weren't winning as much, but it wasn't because we didn't have the talent. I think, I think you know, every program goes through those times, then you got to have staying power. And when you're changing coaches, you got different players coming in and the evaluation of the talent was different. Probably when we had some guys that maybe shouldn't have been, but that were, they kind of had to regroup and get back on track. But yeah, the University of Miami has a great history. So you'd mentioned some of the names earlier, yourself, Ray Bellamy, Burgess Owens and Tom Sullivan. So I was telling the guy how I do play-by-play -play with Joe Zagacki that you were coming on. He said, Tom Silky Sullivan. Yeah. But then they also, the Gold Dust Twins, was that a real thing? They named you that? That's what they called us, yeah, because we were scoring a lot of touchdowns at that time. You know, Sully and I were in the backfield, and he was one heck of a competitor and just a really, one, probably one of the coolest guys I ever met in my life. There's no question about it. He was... He was something special, you know, as a football player and as a person. Sully was always even kill, you know, nothing got him. Got me. He'd get upset, not upset, but he's like, you could get him going if you didn't, you know, like that Florida flop thing they did with us in the backfield. Now that really, really got him upset. I was upset too, but I didn't know what the heck was happening. And well, he went over and kicked the dude and, <laughs> you know, like, what the heck is that? 
and that was some of the stuff that that was the rob one of the biggest robberies but at the time florida of course was one of the bigger name programs that had a lot of success but they did things at the time that were a little didn't have any class to it that's why we don't like them yeah that's why we don't like them they do all kinds of crazy stuff and so i, I don't know if these guys know all those stories about the gator flop and uh, stuff like that even florida state you know we we had a big robbery with them obviously and all those Florida schools. And so I personally think when Miami started beating them all, and not only beating them real bad, not only beating them bad, but telling them, they were telling them what exactly they were going to do. You know, they had a little swag with them. They still need to get that back. And I think it's coming. But they, I'm going to tell you, that run they had, it was a joy turning on, it still is a joy turning on my TV to watch the U play because I see, I'm looking to see where these guys, different guys are going to take it. And, but the unfortunate thing about the U is that they've had so many great athletes come through. They're great football players. And they come and stay a couple of years and then they out. You're always replacing great players. And so I think it's hurt them a little bit because guys leave. And then, and, and they, because, but guys come there, they want to go to University of Miami. They want to go to the next level. But they got to remember, yeah, you know, you get to the next level. And I think they've had some guys they leave and then they play a year or two and they've done because they're not developed. So the program need, needs to keep the guys around somehow. Obviously now the U, I'm not sure it was referred to that way in your time. Yes, it was. That's where it started. It was. Yeah, that's where we started. So when you got to the pro, like now guys go to the pros, all the Miami guys say, man, when you get to the pros and you're a Miami guy, people want to know about the U in Miami. Was it like that back then? Was it as big a deal back then? Yeah. Miami always had, it was, it always was different, in my opinion, the program itself. You know, it was in Miami, you know, and the lights, uh, you know, at night when Miami, not, Miami is a different place when the lights come on at night. And we and we used to, well, you know that, and then we used to play at night at 8 o'clock. You know, the University of Miami football program has a lot of competition down there. If you're not winning right away, you know, people are going to go to the beach or go to Miami Beach, go to South Beach, and they're going to go enjoy it. So people got to understand that. That program is unlike any other program because Miami is just, <laughs> what can I say? The town itself has got a lot of, you know, it's international. It's got everything you want, you know, and you got to have discipline to be in Miami. And you, if you don't have discipline, you can go all over the place, you know. And so coming to the University of Miami, well, you got to be a great athlete, but you better have a lot of discipline because there's just in the coaches and Everybody, you know, that you know, you gotta there's so many different things that they gotta be aware of, you know, because Miami is just that. It's when the lights come on and the music plays, you know, it's got that flag thing going and and that's one of the things that attract people to it. And my University of Miami takes on that personality. When you got to the pros, that followed you too. Yeah, but when I got to the pros, you know, it's like, you know, when Burgess and I went there, Burgess was the MVP and the senior bowl defensively. We gained respect because we know we like I said, we had all these big time all Americans on our all on our teams. And when we came out, our draft class was supposedly the greatest ever at the time, you know, of all the guys there, you know, of course now, you know, they only had ABC, CBS, and NBC. There was no ESPN, things like that, 24-hour sports. And, you know, guys are bigger than, your names are bigger than their talent. And we see that a lot. And so now you get guys, you know, they come in there and they, 
five stars. And I'm like, man, wait a minute. And just like I went to, we went to Burgess, when we'd go to these all-star games and all these guys are there, all everything. And I'm like checking them out in practice. And I'm saying, wait a minute, to myself, we'd say, yeah, they're good, but they're not what their publicity says they are, their talent level. And I'm sitting there saying, well, wow, I can play with that guy, you know, and that guy, you know, but they came from these big times, Oklahoma, Nebraska's and USC, UCLA, all these big times, because University of Miami, of course, we didn't have that when we played. Of course, our record wasn't, but I'm like, wait. So that's why I say, you know, you recruit these guys and they five stars, four stars, with all that, man. Now, I don't want to hear about five star talent. I want to hear about five star commitment. I want to hear about five star dedication, you know, like stuff like that. You know, you got talent, fine, but are you committed to be the best that you can be? And the guys that are able to do that, to make that commitment. You give me 11 guys that are going to give me, like we say in the NFL, 60 minutes, mistake-free football, stuff like that. Take New England, they're like that. You only know about two guys, but they win all the time because they commit. But what I'm saying about the U is that we have a unique situation there where we bring guys in and they're marvelous talent, but they always leave early and they get to the next level. Some of them do well, of course, but, you know, some leave too early. No doubt. It's hard to keep a program or a team culture in place when the, the turnstile keeps turning. Keeps turning, turning, and turning. So that's the thing that I think we face, unlike any other program, because it has that reputation of having great athletes come through, leaving early and getting to the, to the next level. And there's a lot that make it, but then there's some that take that step and they don't develop. Well, you mentioned, uh, like, give me 11 guys. Your rookie year in the NFL, 1973, I think I have this right, you played basically the no-name defense in the Super Bowl, the Miami Dolphins. We're in Miami Town, and you said it was the best you ever faced. Of all the teams we played in the Super Bowl, I played in three Super Bowls. That's the only team that I thought was better than us. I mean, they were well-coached, obviously, and I got to watch them when I was at the University of Miami. I, I knew those guys. I mean, they'd work out at our, our facility, and they were there all the time. But as far as defense, offense, you know, those guys were the best team I ever played as a pro. So they worked out at UM, so you were around them. Yeah, I got to see them. And, of course, we wanted to, you know, but they were, Bob Greasy was there on many occasions. And all those guys, they, they worked at it because they worked out at the U. And we got to see them there. And then they got their own facility out, out there at Biscayne. That was a game we played that I, I walked away and said, you know, they were definitely better. The other two teams we played in the Super Bowl, Pittsburgh and Oakland, I put that on us. You know, I always thought you'd go to the dance to what got you there. And we'd always change up everything. It was uncomfortable. But that was the one team that was better than us. But I thought we were better than Pittsburgh and Oakland. So Howard comes in 79, I think, and by 83, he wins a championship. In fact, when he comes, there was a lot of talk about maybe even shutting the program down. And he turns it around. He comes maybe seven years after you leave within 10, you know, a 10-year window after you left, they've won a championship. You've talked about all the great talent that was at UM. Maybe you didn't have, you know, the record did not show itself when you were there. But I guess, did you think what Howard came in and said he wanted to do when you were there, did you think the University of Miami was, that was possible at that school? I always thought that was the right coach with the talent just in South Florida at the time when we came through. And they were, like I said, 
it was just like a guy, one guy when they were recruiting black athletes at the time in the entire South. They were kind of like it was uh, in the time, you know, they were bringing one here and one there and just like that, trying to open the program up. I think when my younger brother Gary came in and his group with Reuben Carter, you know, Wilmore Ritchie, all these guys that came in, Booker T. Cole, Eldridge Metro, all these young black athletes were coming to the U because they were opening it up to them. And they always wanted to come to the U, obviously. So you opened those doors. You were part of opening the door. You kind of nudged the door open, and then the doors opened further. And then the doors opened, and Howard got there. And then, you know, they had several coaches after Fran left, and they needed stability. I think Carl Selma was there, I think. And, you know, there's so many of them. I'm trying to keep up with it. But when Howard got there, it got some stability, and he went in, and he recruited the city of Miami. And you know what? It's like this. University of Miami could have won 10 national championships just with the guys in South Florida on their team. And so when they opened it up, you know, Howard went in there and he, he brought some stability to the program, got some guys in there and they took off and it went to a whole different level. There must have been, you're, I know you actually were out of the NFL by then, but sitting there and watching, you must have had some degree of pride knowing that you were a part of the building blocks of making that happen. It certainly does give you pride, and it's a little different for me when I look at the U, maybe from some of the current players or even the Michael Irvins and the Ray Lewises that have been through there, and we've watched play, and it's certainly a source of pride for us to know that we opened the door, but what we had to deal with and the things that we, the decisions we had to make in that time you know, we knew that we were opening the doors to something special because we knew how special the University of Miami was. I mean, I never had a problem there. For the most part, it was an enjoyable experience for me. And even in the classroom, we had a history professor by the name of Dr. Stewart. He was kind of like Indiana Jones because when you go to his classes, it was always exciting. I'd get there early so I could get a seat up front. Dr. Henry King Stanford, one of the finest human beings you'll ever meet. I could go to his office, the president of the school. I, we could go to his office, sit down like you and I are talking anytime we wanted to, to discuss anything. And he'd give us his opinion about how we should deal with things. And as a man, he was an adventurer. Well, you know, if you know about the you, you know about the president of you, he was unique as a person, as a man, as a leader. And, and he made our transition for me and Ray, Sully and Burgess, you know, he was the right man at the time to lead the University of Miami to that level when the integration came and things like that. So it sounds like the you and President Stanford have a special place in your heart. Definitely, definitely. And uh, like I said, it was, it was a great, I have no, no regrets. And uh, like I said, and it was University of Miami, as you know, is that international school. You know, people from all over the world go there. And it was a great experience, believe me. 
I heard you, you've kind of jumped into the social media memorabilia space, right? I saw this, this spin doctor bobblehead of yours and the Vikings. Yeah. What, what are you doing? Well, how can people connect with you? What can they get? Where can they find it? I'm sure there's going to be some UM fans that are going to listen to this that are going to want to maybe make a purchase. Well, actually, it all happened. My kids are always said, Dad, you need to get on this website and do your own thing. And like, man, I don't trust that stuff. I'm not a big social media. I, I'm not. I had no clue. And I wasn't interested in anything like that because I really wasn't savvy, I guess, enough to know how to navigate the whole system. But I met a guy that I trust. And he's telling me, he says, look, you know, Cyber Monday is coming earth, and let me put something together and let's try it. And I said, well, okay, first of all, you're going to tell me, you had to tell me how this thing works, all the things, and before I put my name on it. And, trust somebody to lead me to this place. But anyway, that's when it started Cyber Monday a, a year ago. I don't know if it's even been a year yet, but that's when it started. And it seems to have, it's a new whole adventure for me. And so we got this, you, go, you can go on chuckforman44.com, go to the website. We got all different types of things that we launch all the time. If you like want to have a Zoom meeting with me, you got a Zoom birthday party, a Zoom meeting, you we can dial into that. And the pandemic gave us that idea to go into place because we couldn't go into any place personal like I used to. Like if you have a school program or anything like that, we have a program called Sound Advice for Life that if in fact you want me to come into your school and talk to your kids, we can do that. Like we've worked with Walmart in the past and they, uh, with their Children's Miracle Network program, and we've done that. So you can go in there, anything that you want to do and, and, and anything memorabilia related to football and our career, my career, you know, you can find it there. And it's personalized and things like that. We can come into your house and talk football if you want. Just like you and I are doing right now, people can go to the website and you got a party going on or something like that, or you want to talk you, you want to talk football, no crazy, crazy stuff, you know, but you know, we kind of have to monitor that type of thing. Some of the requests we get is kind of off the chain, but, you know, but it's been a great journey so far. And so we'd like to get more people from the U if they want to talk the past and, you know, our journey. You know, we can do that. It's a, It's been, I meet every Monday with uh, Ben Tice. That's the guy who helps me run it or does run it. We talk about all the things that we want to do. And it's been a pretty cool thing to do, especially right now, this age. I'm like, okay, just nav- help me navigate my way through it, you know, because I'm not a big tech guy. And believe me, I can't believe all the things you can do. Well, you probably do. I know you, you're savvy in that area, but. Uh, I'm, I'm getting less savvy as the, as the days go on, right? Because there's more stuff. There's more stuff happening every day. Yeah, I know, and it's crazy. I'm like, you can bring anybody in your house, just like this. <laughs> the things that you can do, and then too, you know, I get a. Some people say some crazy things on there, man. And you know, the good. There's the good there, but then we gotta kind of weed out all the knuckleheads that say certain things. Well, my friend, this has been a pleasure. I hope we've tapped into some good memories for you. You certainly did, and like I said, man, it's all about the you. I'm always there. I'm all every Saturday, you know, for hopefully when, when uh, yeah, I get a little more comfortable traveling, 
I'll be seeing you in Miami. Come on down to the Rock. We'd love to have you. We're certainly looking to get a place someplace in Florida, maybe up a little place, up a little further, you know, out of the city. But, you know, in the winter, we can come down there and hang out. So that's my that's our next step. Yeah, we definitely come. Open invite. You don't even have to ask. Thank you very much. Yeah, we are, we're looking forward to coming back to South Florida.